Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clear Path Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining. This morning, when I got up ready to pray and prepare, I I lit a candle um, as I was praying, and so I like having this. Somebody set this candle out here. I like having it here, and. Today marks the beginning of Advent, um, which in the Christian calendar we is the, is the beginning of the liturgical rhythm of the year. And I always try to give a couple of comments on this. Um, we don't believe that you have to follow this sort of rhythm or calendar doesn't give you any extra spiritual brownie points with the Lord. Um, we, we do think that there is there are a few things of value. Um, we value that people have been worshiping this way for a long time. We value that people are worshiping around the world in this way. We also value the recognition that there are seasons built into life. We're, we're in winter now. And there are seasons built into the rhythms of spiritual formation of our own lives. And so it gives us a recognition of seasons. And then the last pragmatic thing is that that following some of these seasons allows us in a very easy way to continue to bring back into picture the, the main key facets and stories and truths of our faith that we rest upon. And, and so... The, the Advent uh, time of year, is, it's a beautiful uh, framing of the liturgical year starting with Advent because Advent is the word um, arrival. And so the beginning of the journey as Christians for us, uh, we start as those awaiting arrival, awaiting the breakthrough of God. And there are many people in the world right now who are crying out for God's arrival. Some in prayer, some in heartache, some with fear for their lives, and maybe some even with joyful hope. If you've pastured for any length of time or, or lived any length of time, you're going to experience people in all different walks of life. I have uh, prayed with those who were awaiting cancer to be healed and to go away and have seen God heal people and have seen people's lives lost. I've prayed with those who are awaiting a loved one to return to Jesus. I've prayed with those who are awaiting a sentencing. And, but I've also prayed with those who await uh, the gift of a new child. And 
And so I love the season of Advent because it's a season recognizing that there is an arrival of God into our lives. And in many ways, we all live as those who wait upon the Lord. And so there are, there are three arrivals that we highlight every year in the story and the season of Advent. Um, I'll hit them really quickly. And we, we also uh, read from the, the scriptures that we read on Sunday, um, as Russell read, and the ones that I would preach from come from the lectionary during this time. And the one that we read from highlights the first uh, arrival or coming that, that we uh, uh, actually highlights the third, but let me, I'll, I'll tell you the three. Uh, first, that we, we celebrate and recognize the coming of Christ to, as Messiah to Israel. And so the story of the Old Testament, not all of the story, but a huge portion of the scripture and the prophetic language and the story leads Israel to this awareness of God pointing them towards the coming Messiah. And we believe that, that he came in Jesus. Amen? And so we now, we now live within the unfolding grace of that first arrival. And so we, we at this time, we recognize that the incarnation of Christ has transformed not only our lives, but all of creation. Amen? Two, we reflect upon, this is what we read about in, in the Mark passage, we reflect upon the promise of Christ's return to restore and resolve all things under heaven and earth. We, we call this the second coming. And the third thing that I think that all of us can relate to as well is that we await his advent, his arrival, his coming into the midst of our own lives, our own struggles, and our own hope, hopes. And all of those frame our understanding of the season. So, Eden and I went camping this weekend. We, I make light of this occasionally, but the school that my kids go to, all the grades have their own campouts. And I've become a semi-professional camper in the last few years. And uh, I'm still not very good at it. I still sleep on the ground while all the other dads sleep on these mattresses and cots. And some even, some even have literal heaters that they bring and tents that look like mansions. And my kids complain because we sleep in this tiny backpacking tent on the ground. But we, were, we went to Mineral Wells State Park, and, um, you know, state parks in Texas, they're pretty. <laughs> they're not as pretty as some places. We were driving, and I realized I always look about 30 minutes before I'm leaving where we're actually going, because that's just the way I do it. And... I looked at Mineral Wells State Park, and that didn't sound very exciting. And so we get there, we're driving through Fort Worth, we get to Mineral Wells. You know, like 100 years ago, like the whole world was trying to come to Mineral Wells because they thought the waters had magical powers to help people. And uh, so we arrived there, and 
It's nice. It's trees. It's pretty. And uh, there's trees. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And we camp out, and the next day we're going to have uh, this this little adventure to go rock climbing. Like rock climbing in Texas. <laughs> so we discovered that there are this, like right at the edge of this lake, there's this really unique geological structures that work like little small canyons, maybe 30, 40 feet high at times. And it's really unique and beautiful. And so we went actual rock climbing. It's like the coolest thing I've done in Texas. I do have a picture of Eden rappelling, but she actually got to go. Um, yeah, so there's Eden rappelling. I wish I had like a picture that would show this. But it was one of the cool things that happened was that Eden Eden, um, I'm telling some extra details of the story just because I can. Um, but, all right, that's good. We got, I, uh, Eden, and she started at the very hardest of the ascent. So they have top roping, and you're climbing up these, these, you know, straight up scale on the wall. And she started at the hardest one that had, like, almost some inverted stuff. And I was like, that was a tough place to start. So she got discouraged. And then at the end, she was like, I would like to um, still climb. And so she went back to the hardest one. There were six <laughs> options. And I was like, Eden, please go to one of the other ones. And she was like, no, I'm going to this one. And she climbed the hardest one. And uh, it was awesome watching her do that. But there was this thing that was happening when we were getting set up and we were putting on the harnesses. Somebody said, one of the other dads said something I said, look, there's Jesus again. And I immediately thought they're making fun of me because <laughs> the rest of the dads don't have long hair. And I looked up as we're going down to this place to climb these rocks, and there's a guy in a Jesus outfit <laughs> walking that way. And... Um, Looks like Jesus has the whole garb on. And I'm like, that's unusual. <laughs> so we get down to where we're going to climb. And there is a film being shot with like Jesus and these disciples. And I'm like, we're like, our climbing is like right around the corner. And I don't know if you've ever been shooting a video. Like you can't have noise. And so I'm watching. I'm like, I'm like, what? How is this going to work? And... I start watching, and nobody is talking, and everybody is signing. And so there's, I realize they're shooting um, a like depiction of Jesus' life that it will be a silent film for the deaf with deaf actors. Uh, and it was really remarkable. Really cool. I don't know how to find this, but I want to find <laughs> it and watch it. And um, But... There was one thing that caught me a little off guard. They had these, they had these tassels on the edge of the garment um, that were blue and white. And I want to read to you Numbers 15. This is really obscure, me noticing something, but let me read to you Numbers 15, 38. They have tassels at the edge of their garments. So speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and 
to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And so they have white and blue tassels. And these are called tzitzit in Hebrew. And if you ever see people praying, you'll see they're very thin, knotted tassel. Like they're not, they're, they don't look anything like a tassel. They're just, they hang on the edge to remind them of prayer. And I look, and they have an entirely different tassel. So I, I show a picture. I, this is the best way I know how to describe it, is they have like a Christmas tassel <laughs> that is blue and white hanging off the edge of these garments. And I'm like... I see what you're doing there, but that is not, um, that's a misunderstanding of this text. And um, I don't know, didn't bother me, but I was the one noticing it. And I, it was humorous, but it made me think about this, that at times we miss things because we just don't understand context. Like a, a, a modern person putting together this film, just be like, oh, let's get somebody get, go to, you know, go to Hobby Lobby and get some tassels. Make sure they have some blue in them. Uh, and it's a silly, inconsequential miss, but there have been many tassels that have been hung in the minds and imaginations of Christians when we don't have context. And every time someone discovers something that they were told by a pastor or parent or Bible teacher that turns out in their mind not to be true, it can serve as a point of doubt that the enemy uses to isolate them and remove them from the truth. So I want to say, if you have discovered that there is something you believed in at one point that you now question, um, it's okay. That's a normal part of the process. Don't lose your whole faith over even a large element that you discover that you might question at some point. Yeah, and one of the subjects that's most difficult for people in regard to giving bad context is the second coming of Jesus. So when I was in junior high school, we had a Sunday school lesson for the junior high students, and this, this, the, the Sunday school lesson was on the end times. I think I've referenced this at least personally to a few people, but there was a guy teaching 13 and 14 year olds about Revelation, and somehow for him it was like all this modern imagery, and so he was talking about nuclear bombs and how the stinging scorpions were like Apache helicopters, and like... It, I don't know what we were talking about. It might not have been the most helpful thing, like, but he was just, you know, talking about stuff. And eventually that thing went away. He was a sincere and pastoral guy. But um, I don't know that it, it, gained, it helped me strengthen my mind in truth. Um, and so I want to say this. If you have grown up with a complex or weird or confusing or just untrue set of teaching about the coming of Jesus or end times, then I want to, I want to um, give you, uh, I want to awaken your imagination to the coming of Jesus and refresh you 
with a clear and important truth today that I believe we actually need to hold. Okay? The truth is that Jesus is coming. <laughs> the truth is that Jesus is coming. Like he is coming back for his bride. And he wants you to know and believe it and look for that arrival. <laughs> End of statement. That's perfect. He wants you to know it and believe it. Let's look at John 14, 1 through 3. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there to prepare a place for you, will I, I will come back to you and take you with me that you may also be where I am. I want you to know it is a promise from heaven that Jesus will come for his people. He will return. And we need this in our minds. We need to, even though we have all this other noise around this subject, we need for the, for the, the excess to be cleared. And we need to believe this, that he is returning. Amen. Amen. So why does this matter? Why does it matter that I believe this? Well, there are many reasons that believing in truth matters and many possible reasons, but believing in truth firstly matters for no greater reason than the truth is true. Um, but I, we want to believe the truth simply because it's true. But I want to give you some additional thought on why it is important for us to hold in our hearts and minds an expectation and even a longing for the arrival of Jesus. So I want to give you two aspects to this. First, God gives us promises. Everyone say promises. God gives us promises. Secondly, these promises are meant to shape in us a posture. Everyone say posture. So we have promises and posture. I, I'm going to read a section for, of Mark's 13, which we read earlier. And then I'm going to state three promises. And I'm going to come back to the, to the text. So remember, we have promises and we have posture. Um, all right, Mark 13, 33 through 37. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. Okay. So God promised Israel that he would send his Messiah. He made that promise. They were supposed to look for it. And he fulfilled that promise. Amen. God has promised you that he will be faithful to you in this life. He will answer prayer. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will comfort you. He will be with you. He is not going to answer every single thing that you ask him, but he will be faithful to you. How many believe that? Yes. He will be faithful to you. 
And he has done that in your life, and he will keep doing that. Third thing, Jesus has promised that he will return, and he will. And I, but I want to, so we have the promise and the posture. I want to give you the key passage, the key to this passage, though. And it's that we are called to stay awake, to be patient, to be attentive waiters. What it says is, be on guard, be awake. And I believe that we should apply this for our hope in every arrival of God that we await for. So the promise from God is, I am coming. The posture he calls us to is waiting, awake, alert, attentive. You are called to be hope-filled waiters in the kingdom. Amen? When you wait with hope, it connects your heart to this tension. The tension is that if God is going to meet you, that he is going to arrive, that he's going to show up. Like, he is coming in your life, he will show up in your life, and he also is going to show up to the restoring, fulfilling work through all of creation. Yes, yes. And so when we posture our, ourselves as those who wait, we connect ourselves with the tension of this promise unfulfilled that he will fulfill. That tension recognizes that there is a current measure of grace that we live within, but there is a greater uh, thing that we're always waiting for in faith that God wants to do. And, and what falling asleep is, like think about your posture. What falling asleep is, is losing sight that God actually has promised things to us. Specifically, he's promised his coming. When we lose sight, we make ourselves vulnerable to sin and deception and being led astray. And so I want to tell you today that you need to believe that Jesus is going to show up. Yes. Both in your life, maybe not how you expect him, and in general, he's coming. We never stop believing, we never stop hoping, both for our lives in the final hour. Okay. I want to briefly look at one the second lectionary text. And it's this, it's a few verses of this prophetic prayer of a poem written by the writer of Isaiah chapter 64. It says in verses one through four, the lectionary I think covers the whole chapter, but I'm gonna read verses one through four. It says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. For of old no one has heard and or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who waits, who acts for those who wait for him. I want to focus on the last verse for a second. It says, 
No eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. I, I think it's important for us to understand the context that the, this reference to who Yahweh is to Israel is like light breaking through in the darkness in the ancient world. Like, this is a worldview shifter for people at the time. Um, the worldview of that day was that those, for those who had power, that they would build, they would advance on earth, and they would do that as something for the gods who were waiting to be appeased and pleased or to give favor, or they would act as the, in their actions as gods. But this writer says, there is no God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Like, this is one of the things that makes the Christian faith unique. Like, every faith asks people to look to the heavens. But in the Christian faith, in the Christian faith, the heavens came to us in the incarnation of God in Jesus. That incarnation in the humblest, lowest place to live and to die for us in as sin, for our sin. It's unique about the Christian faith that, that the writer would say, this is like light breaking through. There's a great songwriter who wrote a line that like the, the light shines through in the cracks. This is like light breaking forth in the cracks of in that ancient world, people were doing things for the gods, as gods, conquering, believing that that was the way that they encountered. And that yet, the writer of Isaiah, he says, he says, there is no God like you who acts for those who wait for him. I just want you to see how big of a worldview shift this is at the time. And so we have a clear, but still at times challenging part of our faith, which is what Advent is about, which I want to speak to you, it's a fundamental part of what it means to be a Christian. It's fundamental part of what it means to be a Christian. And the clear and challenging call is that you wait on the Lord. You wait on the Lord. You wait on the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're always waiting. I, I want to look, okay, I want to back up and look at verse 1. It says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. I love the writer here. If you would come down, the mountains might quake, like the mountains quaking. That is an intense arrival of God. And, but, but see, this is a people who in Numbers and Deuteronomy, they had the story that when God brought Moses up to give him the words on Sinai, the mountain was filled with fire and lightning and smoke. And there was a sound of a trumpet that was loud. And like in the midst of this incredible display, it says that Moses talked to God and God talked back. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, Israel, and Israel, as they waited and they watched this awesome thing, they were, it was so powerful, in fact, one of the moments that this happened, as the glory was descending upon the, uh, upon the place where God was going to meet with Moses, it says that, it, that Israel stood back in fear as Moses pressed into the thick darkness. Like, mountains quaking, fire breathing, smoke. It's terrifying and sudden. How many of you have ever wanted God to come into your life in an instantaneous way that felt sudden and explosive like? How many of you have cried for that? The writer is saying, oh, that you would rend the heavens that the mountains would quake. I have prayed some prayers like that in some dark hours. I've seen him come in that way, suddenly. But I've also felt the silence of God in prayer at times. In fact, I think that the writer here, he's, he's asking and lamenting for what he's not getting. Oh, that you would just do it like this, God. Okay, I want to show you the second verse. I think that these verses are very different pictures. You, you can judge. The second verse says, As when fire kindles brushwood and causes fire to boil. So I'm not... I'm not certain of what the writer's intent here is, but I want to share with you what I saw here. So, we're on this camp out, and there's a, there's a thing that happens that the girls, it's a daddy-daughter camp out, but in reality, it's dads hanging out with dads <laughs> and fifth-grade girls hanging out with fifth-grade girls. In fact... Our fifth grade girls were loud enough the first night that the park ranger had to come up and warn us. <laughs> and so the dads build the fire, and you know, we sing a little bit at the end of the night, but mostly dads sit around the fire. And, you know, I was watching this situation unfold where we have this fortunate thing, and we have the maintenance guy at Watermark on our on our uh, on our trip and so he brings watermark has like five different fireplaces and so they have an incredible amount of firewood so we get to access watermark's firewood for our <laughs> camp out and so we have an incredible amount of firewood to burn at this camp out and uh, I watched the girls trying to put together a fire the classic way now my kids know I like to put together a fire the right way. Yeah. Twigs, kindling, you know, even if the ground's wet, you, it should be done this way. And, and so the dad made the comment to the girls trying to build a fire this way, hey girls, you gotta work smarter, not harder. To which he brought out this like three foot, like flame thing connected to a butane deal, stacked up some logs, and he just stuck this thing in there 
just to sit in there, just shooting a flame <laughs> onto the on the logs. And after ten minutes, the logs are not lit. Didn't work. I was so happy. <laughs> and so I, I decided, he gave up as the girls were off building their own fire. And we, like, six dads are, like, breaking twigs off of branches. And we're breaking a little deal. And then, you know, sure enough, we light that thing. And it just, like, we just little light within, like, one minute, the whole fire is blazing. You know, um, yeah, and it's not one minute's an exaggeration. Five minutes, the fire is working. Um, when I look at a fire, I see a, a process, right? What it says here, like when fire kindles brushwood. Oh, one other thing. I needed coffee, too, at like 5 p.m. And so I had my instant Starbucks little bags and we started boiling water and while this fire was going. And so here's what the writer says. He says, would you come, first of all, like mountains quaking. And then he says, as like fire, as it kindles brushwood and it causes the pot to boil. Now as this pot's boiling, I'm like, how do we know on this particular thing when it's ready? And like five minutes later, it's just spewing water out of the top. I'm like, okay, I think it's ready. <laughs> The way that, a, way that this process works is that you light little things and they turn into bigger sticks on fire and then they turn into logs on fire. And then that chemical process, heating the boiling pot will make the, the water boil. And at the end of water boiling, you can use it to clean things. You can use it um, to desanitize things in the ancient world or make instant coffee. Um, but that doesn't process doesn't happen suddenly. Do you see what I'm saying? Kindling, brushwood, water boiling is a, is a series of reactions. And while I don't know that this was the writer's draw of the metaphor, what I do believe is that God works in ways that are slow and process-oriented, and he, wakes that are, he works in ways that are suddenly and unexpected. And somehow, in that whole process, the water will suddenly boil, right? Um, the Advent story is the story of the Creator God choosing to resolve the woes of man by patiently forming covenant with one man and then his people and then tarrying with those people for generations upon generations, giving them commands and prophecies and songs to sing. And at, at some point along all those generational lines, there will be a baby who will be born and that baby will be born and then it will, and that baby will grow up for 30 years of silence and the and then that baby will grow up to a man and he will die and he will resurrect and he will ascend and the spirit will be poured out. And as the spirit is poured out, there's 3,000 people touched. And over millennia, 
The gospel moves into all of society like leaven in a bread. Like, I want you to see that God's arrival is like fire kindling, brush and water boiling. It is a process that happens slowly, then suddenly. Like, we have to see that God has always been working. In every arrival of his, we never stop waiting for him because he's already set into motion the things that we're praying for. God comes with fire and lightning. He comes with whispers. He comes through generations and he comes in a moment. He comes in ways we cannot expect and he comes in ways that we can notice if we remain watchful. But he is always saying, wait on me. He is always saying, wait on me. We don't usually imagine that that the unfolding reality that will be the answer of a prayer in our life has already been set into motion since before time began. We don't think of it that way. We think like this writer. If you would just do this right now, God. But he is patient and faithful and he will show up. We are called to be those that are watchful. And if we believe that he will arrive, we won't miss it because we will be awake. Amen. Amen. So there is the promise and then there is the posture. And the posture is, he says, be awake. And so I want to say this to you today. Waiting on God is not something that you ever, ever, ever graduate from. It is something you always live within. And those who are waiting are always watching. Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying to us, I am coming. Are you watching? Are you waiting? Um, I want to read this prayer. I want to have a stand. I'm going to read a prayer that I read every year at Advent. God of the watching ones, give us your benediction. God of the waiting ones, give us your good word for our souls. God of the watching ones, the waiting ones, the slow and suffering ones, give us your benediction your good word for our souls that we might rest. God of the watching ones, the waiting ones, the slow and suffering ones, and of the angels in heaven and the child in the womb, give us your benediction, your good word for our souls, that we might rest and rise in the kindness of your company. Lord, we love you. Thank you that you uh, remind us of how you have come into our world. And we thank you, God, that you are coming. You are coming. You are coming. I pray that we would be patient waiters in hope. Longing um, for the next moment of your grace and longing for this final work of your grace. And we bless you, Lord. We bless these elements, God. 
May, there, may they draw our attention to you. May, may, may we wake up and believe what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm so, so happy to see my friend Ryan today. If you don't know Ryan, um, the Brewers, his family, are a deep part of this community, have been for a number of years, and um, they left us to go back across the pond to the homeland. <laughs> um, they're, they're serving as missionaries in Oxford, England. Yeah, I, I uh, man, it's good to be here. Um, just kind of trying to take a step back to, to get it, to kind of take it all in. Um, I jotted down some notes just to, because otherwise I just kind of go on and on about how grateful I feel um, to be here. As the plane was landing yesterday, I just kind of looked around and I was like, Texas, y'all. <laughs> like, I don't know if these other people on this plane realize, but Texas, y'all. Um, but I just want to say thank you to y'all for um, just continuing to provide, to provide this space. And I'm thankful to be here. Thank you, Jordan, for giving me a chance to share. Um, oh, so good. Worship, so good. Um, and then your message, Jordan, like this, what you guys have is special. I just want you to know. Okay. So like in England, pancakes, they have pancakes, but they put the topping they put on their pancakes is a little bit of sugar and lemon juice. And it's not bad. You should try it, but it's not syrup. <laughs> and it's like syrup when I walk in here. Let me just tell you that. It's good to be here. So, you know, one thing that I've heard is sort of like an ironic thing that happens in life is you don't appreciate what you have until um, you don't have it. You don't appreciate that each day is a gift until you feel like you're running out of time. And I just want you guys to know what you have is an amazing thing here at ClearPath. So one of the things that I do here is about the only thing I can do from across an ocean, and that's edit the podcast. So <laughs> I get to listen to the messages, and I love it. It keeps me tied in. And Ember, you, what you shared last week was really so encouraging. And I immediately told Randy, our almost two-year-old is a gator for sure, because <laughs> she, she's just constantly grabbing into stuff. But um, yeah, as Jordan said, my wife and I, Randy, live in England, in Oxford, and our heart is to invest into the future leaders of the international world, specifically the future leaders of the Muslim world. And so um, the first, I'd say probably seven, six, seven, eight months of us living in the UK, not much was happening. Um, we were just kind of settling in, and I was like, looking at my computer one day, like trying to type up a script for these videos that I could send you guys to just say, this is what we're doing. And I was like, we got a dog, exclamation point. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. <laughs> I'm like, what do I say? We're settling in. Um, but then I had this moment where I was walking, I shared this with Jordan, I was walking in this rugby field while Amos was doing tennis lessons.
And I was like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to start. I don't know what to do. And the next day, I met this guy at a coffee shop who runs an, uh, a, a ministry called Friends International. And they specifically invest in international students that are coming to Oxford to study. Now, the caveat here is we went with the heart to invest in the students of Oxford University, which is like one of the premier universities in the world. We feel like God was giving us this strategic opportunity. Um, and they're at Oxford Brooks. So it's as, it's, it's as if like you felt like you were called to minister the student, to the students of Texas A&M, and then someone's like, why don't you come learn from us? We're doing that at A&M Commerce. And you're like, all right. <laughs> but I want to tell you, I've been learning so much in the past few months about how to engage people from all over the world, how to, how to, um, how to draw them in, how to provide what they need. They need community. So many of these kids are coming from like hotter, brighter places and they arrive, they arrive in, in England in October and then it gets darker and colder every day that they're there. So if they don't, if they don't find community quickly, they can settle into rhythms of isolation, which leads to depression. And, um, and it's, a real, it's actually a real problem there in the universities. So um, we've been learning so much from them. As I walk through the cities, we, I prayer walk. I mostly actually ride my bike and, and prayer ride. Um, all the Oxford University, so like that's Brooks, Oxford University kids, they all wear these like puffer jackets, like these black puffer jackets that has a badge of the specific college that they're part of and then their, usually their initials. And every time I see one, my heart bends toward them. And I haven't had an opportunity really to do anything big or meaningful. But I feel like, like you said, Jordan, like God works in these like slowly, 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 suddenly. I do feel like in this next year, God is going to give us an opportunity to connect with the, the students at Oxford University as well. Um, and specifically start, um, start finding uh, these kids who are coming from the Muslim world. And um, that's probably my cue to, to wind it up. <laughs> that's the devil. I grew up at a church where anything that went wrong in church was the devil. <laughs> Rebuke the devil in that soundboard right now. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. But the reason I'm here, and I'm only here for a week, is because we need to, um, we need to raise up our budget a bit. Um, about a month and a half ago, our... Oh, it's my phone. Oh, that's the truth. Y'all see this half-eaten apple right there? Okay. All right. Thank you. I learned something. Okay. What was I saying? We need to raise our budget. Uh, about a month and a half ago, Novo, the mission agency we're a part of, asked us to take, a, take over the team leadership role in Oxford, um, which was a real honor that we didn't really expect, but it's going to require more of us. Um, 
And at the same time, our budget just isn't quite enough. Um, so if you would like to learn more um, and connect while I'm here this week, if you'd like to have lunch, coffee, dinner, any of that, um, because you either want to be praying specifically for us or partnering with us financially, um, I would love to connect with you about that. And maybe you're not in the place to do that, but maybe somebody is coming to mind right now, in Jesus' name, <laughs> that you want to connect me with, just let me know. We'd love to connect with them. And um, besides that, I just feel, like I said, very grateful to be here. So, that's all I got. I have a question. How much do you need? Okay, so we, <laughs> we had about a $10,000, like, sort of, like, budget shortfall as we're coming up to the end of the year. So that's about how much we need. But I'm actually trying to go a bit above that to give us some sort of like cushion for the next year. Yeah. If you want to connect with Brian, I will help you do so in whatever way you can, whatever way I can. If you want to come meet at my house at 2 a.m., you can meet at my house at 2 a.m. Um, Andrea just looked at me like, yeah. Um, but. Um, we do, we do, I'm super grateful for their family and, yeah. and bless them in this journey. I, I just want to let you all know, you can find me, I can connect you with Ryan, or you can connect with him directly. And we love you guys. We're behind you. We'll let you read the poem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So Malcolm Guite is from the UK. So I'm going to read this. And just do they read with me or follow along? Follow along, okay. O come, O come, and be our God with us. O long sought witness for a world without. O secret seed, O hidden spring of light, come to us, wisdom, come, unspoken name. Come root and key and king and holy flame. O quicken little wick so tightly curled, be folded with us into time and place, unfold for us the mystery of grace, and make a womb of all this wounded world. O heart of, of heaven beating in the earth, O tiny hope within our hopelessness, come to be born to bear us to our birth, to touch a dying world with, an, with new made hands, and make these rags of time our swaddling bands. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at Clearpath Dallas. Thanks for listening. Oh.